The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. what's up and this week we are on episode 21 which is so crazy that is crazy um make sure that you guys subscribe to all of our social media platforms you can listen to our podcast on soundcloud or on apple podcast and please be sure to follow and like us on instagram and facebook at ebony's in the ivory and follow us on twitter at ebbs in the ivory and also you can check out our website check out the content that we have um at www.ebonysintheivory.com and it's accessible on your iphone or your phone your android as well so you have no excuse <laughs> check out our website and leave some comments yes um so you want to kick it away, Dr. Poole? Yeah. So like Dr. Bell said, this is episode 21 already. Um, I know it's crazy. And I'm really excited about this topic. Um, well, even though I think like all of our topics are always personal experiences that then we connect to research or whatever else is out there. But I think as Dr. Bell and I have gotten further and further away from the ending of our doctoral experience, we have more experience with this particular topic and also with um, our peers and friends and colleagues also experiencing this in different ways, both male and female. And so um, I'm excited to talk about it. And of course, the actual title is like, you know, a song from one of my favorite people in the world. So We'll, you know, make all those connections for you guys later. So um, this week's topic or this month's topic really is Move Forever Resisting Success Guilt. And why I'm excited about this topic is a lot of people are pretty aware and knowledgeable about survivor's guilt, um, which typically happens during like tragic events, um, even things like natural disasters or violent um incidents that might occur but a lot of people don't think about it in terms of like academia um and what sort of happens when you're the person that maybe either shifted the culture within your family or within your friend group or um you just are on sort of a different level and even took maybe what your friends and family have accomplished um to a different level and it's created maybe an internal strain and so while we know that like the relative definition of success can kind of 
you know, be defined individually, but it definitely is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. And so because most of us, particularly anybody who's probably pursuing any form of graduate studies, were taught to, you know, be all you can be and reach for the stars and shoot for the moon and all the other like space references. Uh, but, you know, like what happens when you do that and it actually turns out right and you make it and, you know, you actually succeed in that thing that you set out to do. Um, what happens for most of us is that we end up feeling like this sense of guilt or shame that's related to our success, even though we know how hard we work to get to that point and we know how many obstacles we overcome. We know how many maybe relationships became strained. Like there's so much that comes with it. And yet somehow, even after succeeding, while we might be happy on that day or, you know, graduation day or the day you defend your dissertation, um, there's still a like weird settling that has to happen afterwards because you aren't ever the same from that experience. And so um, figuring out how to manage that, I think, can be hard. I definitely know it's something that pops in and out of my mind and I have to have conversations with my sister friends like Dr. Bell to snap me back into it to, you know, make me understand that there is nothing wrong with being excited about your successes in a way that is not boastful, but like understanding that you worked for it, nobody gave it to you. And so um I just think it's an interesting topic for us to be able to discuss, especially knowing how many people who are part of the Ebony's community are either in pursuit of more um, or you finish your doctoral degree and you're thinking about your first maybe faculty job or full-time role in your career of choice. And so um, I want to make sure that other people don't feel like that. And so right. what we know through research, like I mentioned earlier, like success guilt is directly related to what we know as survivor's guilt. And so this is when somebody lives through something that is life-threatening or traumatic, which those of us who have gone through the doctoral process knows it is pretty traumatic um, and sometimes feels life-threatening. You feel like you might die. Um, and so while in the midst of that, there are those that don't survive. So generally what we know is that nine out of 10 folks who start a doctoral experience actually don't complete it or at least don't complete with their original cohort. That's almost right. everybody. That's 90%. And so for those that have come out on the other side of that, or you're in the midst of it right now, um, it's really being able to understand what survival looks like, which is what we hope everything that Ebony's and Ivory stands for is about, like helping you figure out how to survive and how to thrive in the midst of it. Um, but I think that we can all agree that like going through this experience, whether that's the dissertation part, selecting a committee, figuring out your topic, um, comes with some trauma that then leaves lasting effects. And so what we end up with once we actually succeed and work through it um, is this guilt that is kind of a mix between shame, um, excitement, um, but also just sort of like questioning, you know, why did you make it? Or why were you the one that was able to, to, to pull it out based on, you know, maybe some of your friends who've even started the journey with you. And so I think just being able to be transparent about that and for us to chat um, about it today is useful. Obviously you want to hear more of like my experiences. It's in the blog. So check out the blog, but um, I mean, it's just interesting, right? Like why are we ashamed of success when we worked really hard to get it? And I think um, there's oftentimes like this, 
I don't know, emphasis on like, well, you know, I had to get it because I needed to help my family or I needed to, you know, just change the narrative maybe about where the person is from. But we never really pay much attention to the like the emphasis that needs to be on sort of the emotional payoff of like achieving success as well. Like it takes a huge burden off of you to know that like, man, I did it. But in most cases, we don't relish in that. And we only then think about, okay, what's the next thing that I can do? What's the next title? What's the next, you know, pay raise I can get? And while that comes with your hard work, it takes a little bit of the joy and the excitement out of the moment. And so I just want us to chat for a little bit about our experiences with that and um, give you guys something to think about. So any thoughts on that, Dr. Bell, before we jump into questions? Before we say that, like, I like what you said about you know, achieving something and then kind of almost discrediting yourself mm-hmm. by thinking, okay, okay, I did this and brushing it off, like, what's next? Like, it reminds me of when we got our master's degree. Mm-hmm. Or even when I got my bachelor's degree, like, I was excited, you know, I walked across the stage, um, got that diploma, and it's like, okay, but I know I'm not finished. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess I didn't, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess I didn't celebrate myself in the way that I needed to. And even, like I said, with the master's degree, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted more. By that time, we had decided yeah. we were going to get the, the doctoral degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I, I, I guess I did not celebrate. And that's a, that's a huge accomplishment yeah. um, for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I did, and I, I diminished myself in that moment because I'm thinking, of, okay, so what's next? Like, this is like, I have to do this. I have to get that. And I, and I didn't celebrate, you know, the accomplishment and the achievement, you know, that that was. So that's interesting that you say that. Cause I think I agree. We do that. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. definitely do that. We definitely diminish and, um, cheat ourselves out of being yeah. proud of ourselves. Yeah. In the moment, right? Like that, that, that moment. moment. Yeah. Um, I don't think we like stop being proud of ourselves. We just, don't relish in it enough. Whereas, right, you know, right. you have people who like are like, oh man, I got dressed and out the door on time for work today. And they are like celebrating. Okay. Like that's a big <laughs> thing, which for me these days is a big thing. But, <laughs> but like, you know, in, in the day to day, that's like a daily test, like something we have to do. Getting a PhD right. or even a master's is not something anybody has to do. Um, and so being able to sort of just allow ourselves to be, uh, much more, I don't know, celebratory or just again, not feeling that, that shame that comes with that. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but just, you know, really being able to think about like the emotional payoff that's supposed to come as well as, you know, everything else that comes with like a new title and some letters behind your name. So, um, definitely with that. And, you know, I'm just thinking, like, I know there's not a lot of research on this particular topic, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering, um, you know, how this pans out demographically. So, um, in terms of women of color, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is success guilt something, um, you know, that can be observed more yeah. in women of color in that population versus um, majority culture? Mm-hmm. Um it's just interesting. It's just something I thought about because yeah. it would seem that way, but um, and I wonder why you know women of color. If that is the case, I don't know um, 
why women of color are less prone to or more prone to um, feeling success guilt and less prone to celebrating mm-hmm. accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure, you know, because there's not a lot out there the, at the basis, I would imagine it's tied to, you know, the historical context of like, I know I, growing up, my grandmother would tell me like, you know, you got to work twice as hard to be just as good or to get the same recognition. And so I think it's a mix of that, right? Like, okay, I've, I've now beat the odds. I've now also surpassed many of my peers, both from marginalized groups and not, um, to do something that the majority of the world does not do and yet still don't feel like that's enough. You know, like that's still not enough to get me in the room or to get me at the table or whatever. So I think just being able to, um, you know, try to, try to figure out what, why we still do that when we know we've worked as hard as we have to get where we are. So, um, so let's chat. Let's see. So what do you feel like are some of your first memories just in general of like, feeling success like being able to even define what success is for you what do you feel like are the standout things whether it's like academic or not okay so i thought about this question and i have like a really um a really early early memory Mm -hmm. and then i can kind of um you know go into you know a a later memory so Mm -hmm. my first early memory of like success was in first grade Mm -hmm. Um, and we had a book competition um, in our classroom mm-hmm. and whoever, you know, read the most books received some sort of prize or something mm-hmm. like that. And I'm, I'm a reader. Like I love, yeah. um, that's just who I am as a person. Um, and I was like reading like way before I even started school. Mm-hmm. My mom taught me how to read and everybody else read like 20 books, 15 books. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even doing it to earn the prize, I just like to read. Yeah. (laughs) So I remember seeing the chart. I can remember it clear as day. I remember seeing, so the teacher had a bar graph. Mm -hmm. And hey, everybody else had 15 and 20, and I had like 130 books that I had read. (laughs) Of course you did, Dr. Bell. Of course you did. Right? I mean, you know, we're reading like, you know, I can't read books. Um, (laughs) But I was, you know, I like I said, I wasn't doing it for the prize, and then I just remember seeing it and being like, you know, the teacher, like, you know, gave me, like, a medal, and I got the prize, and, like, just standing before my classmates, I felt bad, because I, like, outshined them, like, ridiculously, mm-hmm. like, you know how we talk about being, like, in sports, like a sportsman, and how you don't run up the score on people, Yeah, um, <laughs> I, you know, looking back on it, I ran up the score, not even intentionally, because you don't think about that when you're five, six years old in first mm-hmm. grade. Um, but I, I felt successful that I earned that prize and I like, um, you know, I, I surpassed, you know, whatever my classmates were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt bad too. Yeah. I felt bad about that. Um, and then in high school, I can remember um, we took the PSAT. Mm-hmm. In 10th grade. In 10th grade, um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I scored, you know, pretty well on it. And I, you know, getting scholarships and I, you know, was a national achievement scholar. Now, mind you, my, my close, some people in my close friend group also um, achieved that, but then some didn't. So, like, 
we, that happened in 10th grade, we were actually honored for that, like, when we graduated. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, I'm still, you know, me and my class, my classmates and I, we're still, like, our pictures in the paper, we make the paper and all of that, mm-hmm. those pictures are still in my high school. Yeah. You know, 14 years later. Yeah. Um, so I remember, like, it was a big deal. Like, we, you know, I called her to class. We had to dress up. Like, we had to take pictures in front of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and with those friends who um, shared in that experience with me, it was great. But then, you know, returning to class and, like, you're the only one, like, dressed up in your class and you're feeling like, oh, man, like, I hope I don't seem like I'm a know-it-all or, like, yeah. Yeah. I hope I, you know, I don't want anybody, I don't, I don't think I'm better than y'all, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you feel it bad for achieving, yeah, um, definitely. and that's something that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, as women of color, um, as, you know, people of color, mm-hmm. um, those who are high achieving, you know, I feel like that's a common, that's a common feeling and a common notion, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that you feel bad for standing out. Yeah. So or you feel bad for achieving. You feel bad for achievement. And, and, you know, I'm an educator and working with my students, uh, my young men and women of color, um, we often have to have conversations about not dumbing yourself down mm-hmm. um, to fit in um, or not wanting to stand out because, you know, you have, um, you know, you're academically inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, often I have conversations with my students about that, um, but that's something, you know, I had to deal with, you know, going through K-12 as well. So it's just interesting, like when I was reading, you know, over what we're going to talk about today, um, those are just some of the things that I, you know, immediately thought about. Yeah. What about you, Dr. Paul? Yeah, I definitely remember like, like almost like you, like very early memories of being, um you know, called out during the assemblies for the A honor roll or um, I was like in the fifth grade, I was like class president, but I feel like it was because I was, you know, popular more so for being smart, not because of like, because I don't, I mean, I still don't really like to follow politics. So I know I wasn't following the politics of like elementary school life to be somebody's student body president but (laughs) but I was um and so you know those sort of things I think while great achievements and stuff that I definitely in the moment I think was proud of I also could feel um this you know the sort of separation that it ends Mm -hmm. it then creates between you and some of your peers right and so then the older you get and you start getting to like middle and high school then your peers some of them are like more vocal about um how they feel about you standing out in that way and stuff like that so I have a very early memory specifically of when I was graduating from kindergarten um I had to do and you you and I both have mothers as teachers so I too was like reading and writing well before I got to like preschool and stuff like you just I went into it already knowing a bunch of stuff and so graduating there's you know there's usually a a speaker or some sort and the speaker has to be introduced and so I was chosen to introduce the speaker and there was this like script that needed to be memorized we're five now like I am five years old (laughs) so when I think about this now I'm like why would they ask a five-year-old to do this but um 
And they sent me home with my, like, with a script. And so my mom took it home. I think, one, the teacher and her felt like it wasn't well written. Uh, and so she, so she edited, she edited the whole thing first. And then we started working on memorizing it. And we, I mean, like we worked at it. Like we, I would do it in the car and like my mom and I actually did that my whole life. Anything I was studying for, we, in the car ride to school, like that's what we did. Um, and so we worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. And then we get to graduation day where I had to do it. And I've seen, I, cause I don't, I don't necessarily remember the, that moment, but I got to watch the VHS cause that's how old we are. Uh, of it. <laughs> Of it. And people went wild. And like to this day, my mom will run into people who either their kids were there too, like at, at my school at that time, or like some of my old teachers. And they're just like, she just did so great. In that moment, my mom, I think, you know, was obviously super proud, but I think it's a difference in expectation. Like we were talking about, like I was expected to do well because I had worked right. really hard to do well. Like we had worked really hard for me to memorize that. And so, and I think that's where it starts to happen. Like where you don't necessarily even feel like yes. what you're doing is like this big thing because you're like, this is what I was supposed to do. Or this is right. what, you know, I, I, right. I was trained to do or, or, or actually what I, like you said, you enjoyed reading. So it's like, well, this is what I do. I like to read. So that's just what it is. And so that has always stuck with me as like a very, you know, a proud moment. I think now I can um, appreciate more that being a five-year-old and like literally reciting like that speech was probably at least like eight minutes long, like it, which wow. is a lifetime Um to have to recite this lady's like, you know, her career path and her, who she's married to and her children. Like it was a literal introduction, like being on the Grammys or something like it's crazy. <laughs> and so, and so I, I can remember the excitement around that. But like I said, you get older and it shifts. And I also have yeah. very clear and vivid memories of, you know, sustaining myself as a, 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 a student and, um, always, you know, being awarded for that in elementary, middle and high school. High school is a whole different game because I went to school with people who did not look like me and that was, that was a true, uh, that was a game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, we could have another episode on that. Uh, but I specifically remember a, I don't remember how old I was. Maybe I was in fifth grade or something like that. And we had an award ceremony and I was like, and so the way that the award ceremony was set up was that they went by, you know, whatever the topics was. So, if it was in every subject, they had a top person. Then if you had a certificate, you had to go up every time. And so after, um, after like they let us go home early that day. I don't know why I remember that. They let us go home early from school that day. <laughs> and, and so if your parents were there for the thing, they got to take you home. So I remember going upstairs to get my, my, I know that's like the best, like going upstairs to get my backpack. And I came back down later. My mom told me, um, when I overheard it, cause it was ending at the time, a conversation that was full of parents. So not other students, but parents 
saying like, oh, well, it was like the Lakeitha Pool show today or something like that. Something very cruel. Not knowing that my mother was standing in the circle, like they didn't know whose parents were who, you know, uh, which is dumb. Don't, that's stupid to do. But, <laughs> but, um, you know, and so they kind of let it go on and on. And then one parent made the remark of like, well, I heard she's kind of like the teacher's pet. And so my mom at that point, cause you know, she's from the night wall. So like, <laughs> So she said, um, she said, well, last time I checked, I wasn't raising an animal or a pet. So, you know, of course, these parents, which is so funny because I still know these people today. Like, they're, and these kids don't know their parents probably were doing that. But like, um, you know, she made this statement to be like, basically to shut them down in the sense of like, if you don't understand maybe why a kid is successful, that's not for you to try to pick apart. And so her state, her last statement to them before we left, and this is, I was standing there, I heard her say that she's like, just like everybody else, she had the same opportunity to create success for herself and academically and socially and, and just like everybody else's kids. And so, um, you know, if your child didn't do that, then that's, that's on them and maybe more so on you. And so, um, you know, we made an exit. So I know that. that- <laughs> but it's it's just like you know it's one of those things where even though my mom was absolutely right she handled it with so much class uh because i i don't know that's probably why i don't have a child yet because it's it's gonna be bad but um it's just her her ability to be able to you know make sure that she didn't have to she didn't turn on anybody else's child in order to then make sure that, you know, I still knew that what I did was the right thing. However, I've never, I clearly have never forgotten that. And that was in the fifth grade. So you're like, what, 10, 11. And so recognizing that while that was a great day of success for me, that definitely was a moment where I was just like, well, dang, what's wrong with being smart or dang, what's wrong with, you know? And so, um, being able to know that while I don't, I actually think it probably push me even more to do more of what I ended up accomplishing, but it's just not the same uh, feeling. And I think that's, it slowly kind of chips away at that when you have those little moments. And then I think you get to, like we said, by the time we hit our master's program, we're like, yeah, we just doing it because this is what we got to do. And we just, you know, going into it and yeah, excited about finishing our master's, but like not even thinking about, wow, what a big thing that I've accomplished right. or look how far I've come from that kindergarten speech to yeah. my master's. And so yeah. um I definitely, you know, think that there's like a mix and that those memories, we're both, you know, therapists. We understand that stuff sticks with you in a way that Absolutely. sometimes isn't the negative feeling that you might feel in the moment, but it somehow still drives you. So it's still a part of your experiences. So yeah, I think it's interesting how you can then have those type of experiences. And like we were talking about earlier, just when I was describing the connection between survivor's remorse and success skill is this idea of like, there's still trauma related to both. And you end up, you know, either feeding off of it and using it to motivate and drive you or you maybe turn the opposite way. And so I think about peers that we might have had who have all the potential, who had all the potential and maybe being told the wrong thing or not being motivated um, externally by people in their life took a whole different life path. And, you know, 
maybe haven't experienced the things that we have. So it's a very like interesting, you know, experience and definitely something, like you said, for both of us as educators and then people who are maybe doing research and all that to be mindful of, like just be, you know, very intentional about how you address folks in their, in their success. Yeah, absolutely. What about now? Like, do you feel like, like you use really good memories for you? Do you feel like those things, good or bad, have allowed you to, um, I don't know, create like more opportunities for yourself? Like, where have you seen that sort of play out where it's pushed you harder or, or maybe, you know, other times where you've had to question yourself now that you've reached what you have in your career? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, I think that it still sometimes can rear its ugly head. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I have to be intentional about, and this is what I tell myself, don't do me your light. Don't dim your light. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that, you know, I tell myself often, um, even working with, you know, in the environment, in the setting that I work in, um, I'm one of the youngest people, period, <laughs> mm-hmm. in the school, um, in, 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 in a role um, in my school. And then on top of that, I have the nerve <laughs> to be Dr. Bell. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my principal's name was Dr. Bell, too. Um, <laughs> but um, I have the nerve to do that and mm-hmm. I have the nerve to walk around and be addressed as such mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I I have to you know remind myself and it almost it almost ties into and I'm trying I've been trying to think this whole time of how I want to verbalize how it's so related to imposter syndrome but I haven't figured it out yet mm-hmm. um but I, I think that the two go hand in hand. Um, but I have to remind myself, I, you know, you deserve to be here. You mm-hmm. deserve, you know, to, to bask in, um, you know, whatever you achieve. You you deserve, um, you know, to, to have that signature behind your name and to have these degrees on this wall or to operate um, as a subject matter expert mm-hmm. in, in whatever you're doing. Um, because you earned it. Yep. This is not something that was given to you. You've earned it, and it's okay to walk in that light and to not dim it. Um, I tell, you know, my friends, no, you know, I call my friends out all the time, you mm-hmm. know, whether it be through, you know, Ebony's and Ivory, you know, through our tribe as a platform or whatever, I'm going to blast you if you've done something great because we don't do that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, especially women of color, we, we, we don't do it enough when we're achieving such great things. And we just kind of have a tendency to, you know, just kind of sweep it under the rug or, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is a term, you know, humble bragging. Um, we, we try not to be a humble bragger. So, you know, we're working hard and we have, you know, our, our heads down working hard and um, we, we don't, you know, celebrate ourselves um, as much as we need to. And, and I, told, I told my friend this other day, it's not even that, you know, you need to brag or, or you need to let people know that you've achieved this or to share your experiences so that people know that they can do it as well. Mm-hmm. So you can be a model to someone. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we talk about, you know, influencing and, and, and counseling, you know, what's, what's the biggest way to build self-efficacy is to see somebody else, to see a model, someone who's done it, um, that, that has a huge impact on somebody's mm-hmm. self-efficacy, someone who looks like them, um, when it comes to mentorship and modeling and all of that. So it's not that, you know, we don't hide our lights under bushels because people need to see that, oh, somebody like me can do that. Right. Um. And it's not about us. It's, it's really not, um, yeah. which is why, I, you know, every reason I read is what it is. So yeah. um, I do, I constantly, you know, have to remind myself, you know, don't dim, you know, don't dim my own light. Um, because, it, you know, success guilt is, is, is something real. And um, when you're around people who, you know, don't have the same, um, they, they, they don't strive to, to achieve the same things that you do um, that's okay mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't mean you should downplay right um, it reminds me of Marianne Wilson's poem um, and she said who I don't want to misquote but in a sense she says who are we to downplay um, you know our life you mm-hmm. know, what, we, what God has given us mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing um, but who are we to do that um, who are we to not share um the talents, yeah, you know, you know that that we've been bestowed, that that have been bestowed upon us. Um, so yeah. that's that's something that you know I struggle with. Um, it's something that you know comes up and that I have to fight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know you and I have conversations all the time about like workplace experiences and job search and all that. And we've talked about that on the show um, on different topics too. It's the same sort of thing. And I love that you made the connection because I, I definitely see it, you know, the connection between that and imposter syndrome for sure. It's like, it's, they almost go hand in hand a little bit yeah, and yeah. being able to realize that like those instances of guilt um, kind of make you then feel like you you haven't achieved or that you're unworthy somehow of being at the table or getting that raise or getting that job or whatever opportunity. Um, And so I think being able to dismiss the guilt is really important. Um, And, and I, it kind of goes into like our last question anyway, of like then knowing how to do that is important. Right. So like for me having, like I said earlier, like, if it's your sister circle, it's just people who gonna tell you the truth and like, you know, being able to know that sometimes you do need your friends to, you know, be a little rough with you to be like, who are you to not, like you just said in quoting, you know, that poem is being able to understand that like, who are you to not go after the things that, you know, you have the right to go after. Um, the reason why we even like named this episode, well, the, the part of the title is, Move Forever, because it's named after the song by Beyonce and Jay-Z and Pharrell. They got some, I mean, and Childish Gambino, not Pharrell. Um, and what I really, really love about this song, and if you haven't read the blog, you'll, you can see more about it, like the connection to the lyrics, but like, we all know how many people like love Beyonce, but there are a ton of people who actually do not and who have a lot of like negative opinion to say about what she hasn't done as far as like accomplishments to try to use that in a way, I think, to um, maybe to force 
try to force like humbleness onto her. And so what I really liked about this song, um, even though, you know, I know it's supposed to be like about the Lion King or whatever, but I feel like I really enjoyed the fact that she was really honest about pointing out to that, you know, the more somebody is really trying to tear you down, that really shows about the fact that they are still somehow, you know, struggling with themselves or they're in their own struggle about how to achieve their level of success or the things that they want or, um, you know, how to really be able to think differently about what does it mean to really uh, relish in the stuff that you've worked really hard for. And so um, I really, really love like the the section I put in the blog about is basically her saying like, I'm so unbothered by y'all's comments. Like y'all are super pressed, worried about what I'm doing or haven't done. And meanwhile, I'm building an empire. I'm raising children, like black children who know who they are. Um, you know, my like husband and I, her husband's a billionaire. Like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like those, right. She's basically like, I'm good. Like, what are you doing? And so, and so obviously, you know, she's Beyonce. So it's just like, but I, I love it because it's the fact that we should all have that about whatever it is that we know that we've been like purpose to do. So if you have started to actually walk in what you know that you are destined and called to do and ordained to do, yeah, you too, right. will be unapologetic. You too will be like quoting your own name to yourself to be like, well, who am I to not think that I should have these things that I deserve? Like I'm Lakeith the pool. I'm Dejelon Bell. Like those things matter in the sense of also just like you said a few minutes ago too people are watching and people need to see that anything is possible in spite of circumstance in spite of you know situations that maybe come up and understanding particularly in the process of talking about the doctoral journey that it is doable that it doesn't mean it's easy but it's totally doable and so for you to kind of hide your success or diminish your success you're taking away the potential motivation and opportunity for somebody else to do what you did or to follow in your footsteps or to maybe even do it even better and take the platform that you created to another level so i just think that you know we have to be able to then know where to get that type of, I guess, motivation or positivity from. And so for me, that's always like, like I said, my friends and sisters, my mom is a big part of that. Um, but eventually you got to learn to have those messages internalized and be able to walk into a room and know that it's your room to take command of. And so those are how I think as I continue to work on because I think it is something that we are going to constantly have to work on because the messages that are out there are so opposite of us doing that so um, for me it's just always making sure that I'm giving uh, room for the thought that like yeah I belong here or yeah I accomplished this thing or yes you will call me Dr. Poole because that's what you call you know the person, the non-person of color who's in the room, who's also doctor, whoever. And so Uh being able to just like, and not be, like you said, be, and be uh, unapologetic about it so that, you know, you set an example, you set a tone and you set an expectation for everybody. So that's, I guess, like I said, both questions in one, like where I've seen it and then how to, how do I like protect myself from falling into that trap? Any thoughts from you and like other or other things that you do in addition to those of like, how do you protect yourself from 
those feelings when they come? Um, like I said, just that mantra, my mantra, mm -hmm. don't diminish, don't diminish. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when we're not dimming our light, we're not hiding our light. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of, sometimes I think about, um, you know, Black Panther, whenever he was fighting, um, and his mom said, show them who you are. Mm -hmm. And it like snapped him back into reality. Yeah. It's like, no, like, you know, tell them, show them, like, mm -hmm. you, you're purposed for what you're doing. Um, it's deeper than the, the bragging and the, um, securing the bag and whatever yeah. else that looks like is, is you fulfilling a God given purpose. He right. didn't give it to us to be ashamed. Um, we, you know, he gave us treasures. Um, we're treasures, the Bible says, in earthen vessels. Mm -hmm. Um, we have something, we have a treasure on the inside of us. So how dare we, you know, feel guilty? Um, or not um, capitalize mm -hmm. um, on what we've been given because we've only been given it so that we can enhance someone else's life. It's not for us. It's not for us. We That's right. We benefits yeah. from it. Yeah. But it's not for us. It's to edify and build someone else up. Mm -hmm. So when we diminish ourselves, we're diminishing you know, someone else's life. It's funny because my pastor said the other day, there's a song called, you know, everything attached to me wins. Mm -hmm. when, you're not, when you're not fulfilling your purpose and you're not walking. And it was a message on procrastination. So, you know, I was in there. <laughs> Ooh, I need but to listen to it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good. I keep listening to it. Um, when, you know, you're not walking in your purpose, then everything attached to you is losing. It's not winning. It's not winning. Um, yeah. So it's our responsibility, he said, to be bold and courageous and, and to and to be unapologetic and um just you know, I deal with that. You know, I I, I, I that's something that um I have to be intentional about mm -hmm. um addressing, you know, and, and doing introspection within myself. Um you know, you let voices creep up and you know, you have to remind yourself, wait, you know, no, like I'm supposed to be here. This is what I'm supposed to do. And it's okay that I've achieved this. I didn't do it in my own right anyway, or in my own strength. Mm -hmm. So it's okay that, you know, it's, it's okay to be proud of myself. It's right. okay to, um, you know, have certain expectations. Like you said, you know, it's, it's that, that's, that's why it was given to you. Right. So, um, you know, just like like repeating truths to yeah. yourself yeah. repeating truths to yourself is a way to to protect yourself you know and, and you know that's that's what I um, do and am um, working on doing even more when those thoughts and feelings pop up yeah I think we just have to like embrace our glow up like people right. talk about your glow up externally because yeah we all look at them pictures from fifth sixth and seventh grade like what Girl. were you doing <laughs> mine are stashed away in new orleans uh, <laughs> but i mean it's the same thing like achieving that academically whether again if it's a master's degree if it's a phd if it's a tenure faculty position if it's you know a high executive role um that's a glow up like that's and that's worth being able to celebrate and you can celebrate that and still um, be humble and knowing that, you know, you're still just a vessel being used to 
you know, show both what it is that you are purpose to do, but also to help somebody else. So definitely. So hopefully you guys who are listening, if you, you know, have ever experienced sort of those feelings of success skill, or if you have not good for you, number one, but also (laughs) to recognize that like, it's almost inevitable to not feel a little bit of that. That's why I said there are always those little moments that chip away at it. And so just to know, you know, that you need to do what you have to do to bounce back, keep yourself surrounded by people who can help you do that. But also just to know um, you have a purpose and that it is important for you to walk in it and fulfill it so that those behind you um, can do and fulfill theirs as well. So, so that brings us to the end of our topic for this month. Um, we're going to take a quick break right here and be back with our last two segments before we wrap up the show. Ebony's, we are back from our break here to wrap up the show with our last um, segment or our signature segments. Uh, first up is our culture corner. Uh, I got it right this time. I know Dr. Bell sometimes pauses for herself, but culture corner. Um, and I didn't say it to New Orleans. I tried. So, <laughs> um, but we definitely want to take a moment to. Uh, Mem- to like memorialize, but also to um, celebrate the life um, of Toni Morrison, uh, whose birth name, which I did not know. I always thought her name was Toni Morrison, but her name is Chloe Wofford Morrison. Uh, she was born 1931 and passed uh, on August 5th, so a week ago, a little over a week she's ago. She's seen a lot. She seen yeah, she's a seen a lot. lot. Um, and just, and you if anybody's been on social media, you can see all the like wonderful tributes that, you know, everyday folks like us, but also a lot of, you know, celebrities who she has influenced writers, um, movie makers, um, actresses, just people whose lives she's changed through words. Um, and I think that that's so important, uh, cause oftentimes we do think about the people who sort of give us the visual scenes to our lives, but the words sometimes are what really matters and it's sustaining. So like Dr. Bell just said, she got here in 1931. She's seen a lot. Um, And most people don't even know that she really didn't even start to hit her strongest stride as far as popularity till her mid thirties. So she wrote beloved. Yeah. She wrote beloved at 35, um, which is one of my, favorite i love the book but then when they adapted it into a movie which she was also a part of um i just i love that movie i don't know why because it's a little bit weird it's a weird book i'm not gonna lie but but um i really enjoyed it and so when i discovered that she didn't even write that until 35 like so imagine everything that she's you know put out since then so um the journal of blacks and higher ed did a really cool article on it so i took some snippets from that and i just want to at least just read about her um as we 
um, honor her in our culture corner. So Toni Morrison, a great, a giant of American literature and the Robert F. Goheen Professor in the Humanities Emeritus at Princeton University in New Jersey, died on August 5th. She was 88 years old. Professor Morrison joined the faculty at Princeton University in 1989 and taught in the creative writing program until transferring to emeritus status in 2006. She was awarded the Pulitzer Prize in 1988 for her novel, Beloved. In 1993, Professor Morrison was the first African-American to be awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature. In 2012, Professor Morrison was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama. Uh, her latest book, <laughs> her latest book was The Source of Self-Regard, Selected Essays, Speeches, and uh, Meditations, which actually was published this year. So definitely, if you have not picked that up, do that. Um, I plan to, for sure. Um Christopher L. Ensberg, president of Princeton University, stated that Toni Morrison's brilliant vision, inspired creativity, and unique voice have reshaped American culture and the world's literary tradition. Her magnificent works will continue to light a path forward for generations of readers and authors. She revises university too. Through her scholarly leadership in creative writing and African-American studies and through her mentorship of students and her innovative teaching, she has inscribed her name permanently and beautifully upon the tapestry of Princeton's campus and history. Um, if anybody says anything about you in that way, that is amazing. Right. And that's one of the wonderful things about being in academia that I think I love and like I get sort of the thrill from is you do have the opportunity to impact and influence so many people um, literally just through one course that they might take with you or even like um, Princeton's president mentioned like being able to just mentor people and again we've talked about all those things here on the show as well um, and then last part just a little bit about her uh, she's a native of L Lorraine Ohio um, she was a 1953 graduate of Howard University in Washington, D.C., where she majored in English. She earned a master's degree in American literature at Cornell University. Before she joined the faculty at Princeton in 1989, she taught at the University of Albany of the State University of New York System and had been an editor at Random House for 20 years. Early in her career, Professor Morrison was an instructor at Texas Southern University and Howard University. So she has just like left this extra large footprint across not only the nation because of where she's taught, but literally across the world through her words, um, through her published works. And so, of course, um, we are saddened by her loss, but are definitely continue to be inspired um, by who she was and who she will remain um, as we all seek to sort of figure out our place and create our own footprint in the world. So to Toni Morrison, we honor her. Um, and she is this month's culture corner. And then last up, Dr. Bell, our favorite part of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is time for Ebony's in the spotlight. This month, uh, special, um, our Ebony in the spotlight is Lauren Franklin. Um, Lauren is a native of Bowling, Louisiana, and is currently a high school math instructor at Capitol High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, Lauren received her Bachelor of Science in Mathematics with a concentration in discrete math from Louisiana State University and her professional science master's in integrated science and technology with a concentration in mathematics from Southeastern Louisiana University. Lauren has recently been accepted 
Welcome to Southern University Science and Math Education Doctoral Program. So that is a mouthful. First of all, when I asked her to give me the specifics on her her bachelor's and master's, I was like, oh, that is official, first of all. Right. I was like, she's smart, smart. Like, when you read that. a little quantitative yeah she might yeah but um you know that's pretty much we're rooting for you though so um congrats lauren future dr franklin yes congrats future dr franklin we're so proud of you well yeah that brings us to the end of another episode we're always very sad to get to this point but excited because that means there's another fun episode awaiting us um in the future so as always make sure that if you just listen to this episode and you haven't subscribed make sure that you do that we appreciate all of you who have uh subscribed in the past and who tune in every single month um and who keep up with us all month long as we post on EITI Tuesday so just always know there's always great content on that day um, to check out on our social media as well as our website's always there. Um, so be on the lookout for more every single Tuesday if you haven't. I know I just said this, but make sure you like, follow, subscribe, and share. We should probably start saying share too. Um, so share with somebody else if you know of an Ebony who is beginning or in the midst of her doctoral experience or just thinking about it, make sure that you spread the word. Um, and if you have an EITI accomplishments that you would like um discussed in the spotlight to highlight we want to shout you out so make sure you send it our way um so that we can give you your props we probably can't help you either and whatever you're studying 
but we can at least make sure that you know you have a village rooting you on. Um, yeah. And we want to make sure that we do that for sure. Because, I mean, we can go all day. We have we have pretty boss friends. So, I mean, we can yeah. just keep yeah. doing this all the time. But we yeah. want to hear from you guys. So, just make sure that if you have something to celebrate, there is no accomplishment too small. Make sure you send it our way so that we can shout you out. And until next time, we will see you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.